Well, good morning, everyone. You can open up your Bibles to the book of Colossians, chapter 3. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 11 of chapter 3. Over the last couple of weeks, we have been focusing our attention on verses 1 through 4 of chapter 3, talking about this topic of union with Christ. Now, when we talk about union with Christ, it's a way of talking about how we have been joined to Christ And it's a way that we understand this language that Paul continually uses of being in Christ, that we've been chosen in Christ, that we've been saved in Christ, justified in Christ, sanctified in Christ. Over and over and over again, as you read through the letters of Paul, you see him using this word in. We are in Christ. And we have been trying to have a deeper understanding of what this means, that we are in Christ. And as Shane pointed out in the time with young disciples, being joined to Christ, being united to Christ means that all that he has accomplished, all that he has done affects us. Just as the root affects the branch. If you water the roots, then the fruit receives that nourishment and that blessing. And because we have been so joined to Christ through faith, all that Christ has done, all that He is presently doing, and all that He will do in the future is our possession. So let us turn our attention now to God's Word as we read it in Colossians 3, starting in verse 1. If then you have been raised with Christ... Seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. And have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. This is God's holy word for his people. Let us pray. O great God, we come to you now at this time. And we ask, O Lord, that you would open our eyes. That we might see the reality of our union with Christ. We pray, O Lord, that you would give us faith. To see that your word reveals to us what we are blind to. Holy Spirit, be active among us. For we know that you call us to worship in spirit and in truth. 
So as we come to the truth of Your Word, give us the gift of Your Spirit that we might receive it in faith. And we pray this all through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. To have direction in our lives, we need to know where we are going. This truth is illustrated well by a scene in Lewis Carroll's famous novel, Alice in Wonderland. Alice is wandering around in Wonderland trying to find her way and she runs into the Cheshire cat and she asks, Would you tell me, please, which way I ought to go from here? The cat replies, that depends a good deal on where you want to go. She thinks and says, well, I don't much care where I go. And so the cat replies, then it doesn't much matter which way you go. You see, if you don't have a goal, if you don't have an aim in life, then it doesn't really much matter which way you go. And yet I believe that each of us has a desire to live for purpose, a desire to have direction and focus in our lives. And yet many times we come to the point of decision and have no idea which way to turn. We might ask for directions, but if you aren't going anywhere in particular, then it doesn't really matter which decision you make. Yet, if you would orient your life towards a goal, a destination, then you will have direction. You will have purpose. You will have wisdom when making decisions in your life. Over the past several weeks, we have been talking about how we are to orient ourselves towards our union with Christ. We have talked about how we are to see our past union with Christ, that we have been set free from sin because in His death we too have died. In His resurrection we too have been raised. We have seen that we are presently seated with Christ in the heavenly realm. And this morning we will see that in the future, when Christ returns, we will appear with Him in glory. You see, this is the grand story of redemption. Christ has rescued you from death by dying for you. Christ has given you life by living for you. And in the future, Christ will return and we will be with Him forever. And Paul's point in explaining all of this is to have Christians orient their lives towards this reality. Set your minds upon this Christian. Set your minds above, not on earth, but on heavenly realities. I know that it seems far away. I know that it seems out of this world. But our lives are to be oriented towards this goal, towards this future. A future when our whole world will be transformed and we will be with Christ in glory. Now, the first thing that we see in our text for this morning is that we are to orient our lives towards the return of Christ. Because when He appears, we also will appear. Look at verse 4 of your text. It says, When Christ, who is your life, appears, 
then you also will appear with Him in glory. When Christ appears. Now that's an interesting way of speaking of the second coming of Christ, isn't it? We usually picture the return of Christ to be something like a king who has been at a far off country coming now to free his people. Our picture is like in the Chronicles of Narnia when Aslan returns to the land of Narnia. The evil queen has run amok while he was away. And when he returns, her evil eternal winter will come to an end. And in some ways, it's proper to think of the return of Christ in this manner. We long for Him to come back, to return. And yet, the word appear invites us to see this future time of Christ's return in a different light or from a different angle. In verse 3 of our text, we read, For you have died, and your life is hidden With Christ in God. You see, spiritual realities right now are hidden, but one day they will appear. That means that the curtain that separates the earthly realm that we see from the spiritual realm that we don't see will be pulled back. The veil that remained over our eyes will be removed and we will see that the whole time Christ was present. We will look back on our lives and we will see that Christ was there the whole time. And while we could not see Him, He was truly present with us. He did not leave us. He did not forsake us. And when He returns, that will become apparent, for we will see things as they truly are. Right now, He is hidden. But there is a day coming when He will appear. So we must orient our lives around this reality Christ is present at this moment, but He is hidden. But in the future, He will appear. But that is not all that Paul has to say on this topic. For not only will Christ appear, but you will appear as well. Look again at what it says in verse 4. When Christ, who is your life, appears then you also will appear with Him in glory. Now you might ask, how could that be? Am I not presently visible? Can't the world see who I am? And the answer is no. The world does not see you as you truly are. Nor do you often see yourselves as you truly are in Christ. In 1 John 3, we read, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. The Word of God calls us who are in Christ so many things that remain hidden. The Bible says we are a new creation. But we look at our aging bodies and we think, well, I don't look like a new creation. I feel like I'm wearing away. The Bible says that you have been set free from sin, but you look at your struggles with anger or with lust or greed or idolatry or love of money, and you think, I sure still feel enslaved. 
The Bible says that you are a saint. But you look at your life and you don't see anything that's particularly saintly about the way that you live. The Bible says that you are a child of God. But often you feel like a spiritual orphan. And I could go on and on and on about the declarations the Bible makes concerning those who are in Christ that remain hidden. But when Christ returns, all of these promises will appear. Your decaying body will be removed and a new creation will be revealed. Your broken emotions will be removed and a love for God and for your neighbor will appear. Your broken morality will be removed and it will appear that you are truly a saint. The saint that God has declared you to be. It is hidden now. It's working behind the scenes. What we will be is not presently seen, but it is presently being prepared. And when Christ appears, so too will your life, your completely renewed, pure and holy, eternal life will appear. Should we not then begin to live in light of such a hope? What we shall be The world doesn't see it. It isn't even what we so often see in ourselves. But by eyes of faith, we can see that though this body is wasting away, though this heart continues to struggle, though our paths often veer from the way, yet one day it will be revealed who we truly are. A new creation, adorned as a bride for her husband, without spot, without blemish, without wrinkle. The world does not see it now. But when Christ appears, we too will appear with Him. Yogi Berra once famously quipped, if you don't know where you're going, you might not get there. Look, we are all on a path. We're all headed somewhere. But so often we go through life not realizing that we are headed somewhere. We don't have a goal or a destination in mind that controls the way that we plan and live our lives. We go from one stage of life to the next, just following the path that the world has laid out for us, not looking beyond the immediate needs that determine and demand our attention. But as Christians, we are called to have a goal, to have a purpose, to have a known destination in mind. And that's what we see at the end of verse four of our text. It says, When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. That is the destination towards which we are going. Glory. Now, what does that word mean? Well, it's Paul's shorthand for speaking of the renewed world which Christ will usher in when He appears. In the book of Revelation, Christ says, Behold, I make all things new. This is the way that He describes where we are going. 
You see, God created this world very good. It was filled with life and purpose and fulfillment. You work and you receive the fruit of your labor. You have children and you live to see them grow into maturity and happiness. You walk in the ways of the Lord and joyfully live in His presence. But sin broke this wonderful world. It marred it so that our work is now frustrating. It bent our souls so that they desire what is evil and not what is good. And it broke our bodies so that we succumb to sickness and to old age. And if you are apart from Christ, then all of life is aimed at avoiding these realities. Your life is found only in your work. It is found only in your idols. It is found only in your health. But when you are in Christ, your life is no longer there. Your life is hidden in Christ. There is the fruit of your labor. There is the hope of your joy. There is the renewal of all that you are. For when Christ returns, He will transform you to be like Himself. The Apostle John put it this way, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him, because we shall see Him as He is. When Christ appears, we will see Him, and we will be transformed into His image. That means that our bodies will be renewed. If we have died, our bodies will be raised from their graves. If we are still alive, then they will be transformed in an instant. They will be strong and healthy. They will be perfectly suited for the environment in which we will live. There will be no more disease and no more aging. When He appears, it also means that we will be like Him emotionally. We will love what is right to love. We will no longer yearn for those things that are destructive. We won't desire those things that hurt ourselves or other people, such as our own glory, for we will love the glory of God. How often have I dedicated myself to saying, I'm going to love people the way that I should love people. Oh, how I wish that I could love my wife. I wish I could love my children. I wish I could love my church the way that I should. And then my plans get ruined by other people's sin and my own weakness? Or is it other people's weaknesses and my sin? Either way, one day, we will love people the way that we should love them. And we will be loved by them as well. When He appears, it also means that we will be like Him morally. We will no longer be filled with sin, but we will be filled with holiness. We will be pure and clean in all that we desire and all that we do. And we will be in the presence of the Holy One. The brightness of His glory will shine with such intensity that there will be no need for the sun. For He will be the only light we need in this unending day. 
for glory, for heaven is a place of joy and kindness. It is a place of fruitfulness and satisfaction. It is a place of peace and rest. And ultimately, heaven is a place of love. One of the reoccurring images of this future heavenly reality is that of a wedding. And the church is the bride. But how can we be a bride? We are filled with sin. We're filled with disease. We're filled with death. And our Lord deserves a bride that is beautiful and healthy and fruitful. But the Word of God promises that we will be properly clothed. It promises that Christ has washed us and provided for all the forgiveness that we need. For in Ephesians 5 we read, He will present the church to Himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. That is glory. The new heaven and the new earth where we will be adorned with physical and spiritual beauty. Where we will love and be loved for all eternity. So seek that. Set your mind on that. That is where we are going. Here we have no lasting city, but we seek a city that is to come. We are pilgrims in a foreign land here, but one day we will come home. We must not take our eyes off of this reality. We must not forget where our life truly resides. And while it is hidden now, one day it will be revealed when Christ is revealed. You see... A new orientation means a new direction. The goal of your life will determine the choices you make. If your goal is to be independently wealthy, then it means investing and working and developing passive sources of income. If your goal is getting your Eagle Scout, it means developing your project, working to make sure all of your requirements are met. If your goal is to walk the entirety of the Appalachian Trail, you buy maps that outline the trail, you get your equipment, you outline the plan of how and when you will tackle the 2,181 miles. And if your goal, if your orientation is Christ, then it means a new direction in the way that you live. It means a new moral direction. Right and wrong are no longer determined by the powers of this world. It is determined by your heavenly King. And it is He that you must follow. Even when the whole world thinks that we are wrong, we must follow Christ. It means a new emotional direction. When all the world seems to be falling apart, we will find our joy not in the things of this world, Not in our health or success, but we will find our joy in the kingdom that is coming. I wonder, Christian, do you have a positive view of the future? To put it another way, do you have hope? Are you hopeful for the future that is coming? I think that we would rather be cautious in our lives than hopeful. But we are called to be a people who hope in the Lord. That is, we are called to have a positive view of the future because we know that in Christ all things are working together to bring about our glory. 
Be hopeful for the church despite what you see. Be hopeful for your spiritual growth even though you struggle. Be hopeful for the salvation of a loved one even though they continue to pursue a path of unbelief. Our God is moving to bring about a great and glorious future. So place your hope there. And finally, a new direction in life means a new vocational direction. That means a new direction in the way that we work. So often we feel like we are just a cog in a machine. Something that can be replaced as needed. Our work is only about producing and consuming for the present life. But what we do, day in and day out, is building towards the future return of Christ. The capital that we produce and the goods that we make can be directed towards the kingdom in such a way that they build momentum towards the appearing of Christ's kingdom. What do I mean by that? I mean that by working for the glory of God in whatever job we have, we hasten the day of His return. We speak to our co-workers of what is important to us when we work for the glory of God. When we aim our work not at the continual collection and consumption of earthly goods, but when we direct it towards the betterment of this world and begin to mirror the world that is to come. When it's used to spread the gospel. When it's used to feed the poor and shelter the orphan or encourage the widow. Your work can be so much more than your own personal kingdom building. It can be aimed at Christ's kingdom. Moth and rust will destroy the kingdom that you are building here. But when you work for the glory of God, nothing can steal it away. So look there, Christian. Set your mind towards this goal. Organize your priorities towards this day when Christ appears. And you will appear with Him there in glory. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us now pray that the Lord would apply to our hearts what we have heard from His Word. Father God, we come to You at this time and we know that what we see with our earthly eyes is not the whole reality. And so we seek to set our mind on the things that are above where Christ is. That we might look forward to that day when You appear, Lord Jesus, and we will appear with You in glory. Help us to apply this to the way that we live, the way that we think, the way that we feel, that You might be honored and glorified. And we pray it through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.